Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. My guest this morning on Dan's Talks is the author of uh, a book called Magmen, which he'll explain to us shortly. His name is Walter Bernard, and for many, many years, he was partnered with uh, Milton Glaser, and they were perhaps the most uh, well-known and respected graphic artists in in uh, either the United States or the city of New York, or both. He redesigned many publications and I'm gonna ask him to tell you about it. Hello, Walter, how are you? Hi, Dan, nice to see you. What was uh, probably the most well-known redo you did? Explain first of all, what, um, what exactly was going on back in the days of physical print? <laughs> Well, I think the most important magazine that I redesigned myself was Time magazine in 1977. Um, Rupert Murdoch had taken over New York magazine where I was uh, working with Milton. And uh, I was looking for another thing to do and Time called and, and I agreed that I would uh, go on board if I could redesign it. And we redesigned it in 1977. Um, pretty successfully. And, and I think that was the one that uh, launched my ability to uh, design magazines around the world. Um, uh, is, there, is there any way you can uh, describe what it was and what your vision was for it? It uh, became quite unique. Well, uh, Time uh, was a great magazine. And if you consider the 50s, 60s, and 70s, these were magazines that had an unheard of circulation in today's world. Uh, Time had 6 million circulation. I think Newsweek had 4 million or something like that. And so um, they were not only important magazines, but they got great reaction each time. My concern about uh, Time Magazine was that while it was a terrific magazine, it never had art direction. It, it never um, had a cohesive uh, design philosophy. It was controlled by the editors visually and um, the visual was kind of second nature except for their covers, which were had some of the great artists and illustrators um, uh, practicing. So uh, my thought about time was to give it a voice. Um, I used one typeface uh, for its headlines throughout. They used to use a lot of different uh, uh, typefaces and I wanted time to speak in one clear voice. I wanted it to be organized. I wanted it to be more visual. Um, when we did the man of the year in 1977, who was Anwar Sadat, uh, we ran the biggest picture 
in time uh, that had ever been run before because pictures were always just fillers in, in that magazine. So in any case, redesigning time and, and, and art directing it for three years was um, a real joy and uh, a great learning experience for me and how to deal with magazines. How did uh, it come about that you got to be selected to do this? Um, well, if you consider the fact that um, there were very few weekly magazines, uh, the two most powerful were Time and Newsweek, The Nation was weekly, um, but both of them, none of them had very much art direction. When Time decided that they wanted to uh, do something, and Henry Grunewald was the editor, he was going to leave in about six months and he wanted to go out uh, changing the visual as well as the, uh, as well as he had changed all the editorial. I don't know why they selected me, but the fact is that I was probably one of the few people who had experience on a weekly magazine because I had done New York magazine for nine years. So at least I knew the rhythm. I was interested in, uh, in the news of the world. And I was able to, uh, I think my training at New York uh, with Milton uh, taught us to act quickly and uh, move fast. So um, I think that was my advantage. But um, what was your training for this? Where, where are you from and where did you grow up and how, what schooling did you get? Well, I grew up in North Bergen, New Jersey, which is right over the river uh, near Union City and Hoboken, et cetera, and Jersey City. I went to high school at St. Peter's Prep, a Catholic prep school, which uh, I think really prepared you for the priesthood or being a doctor or a lawyer. And um, when I um, wanted to go to art school, as a matter of fact, the um, professors at uh, St. Peter's uh, discouraged it and said it was an occasion of sin and I should go to St. Peter's College. But um, I did find an art school. I wanted to, I had heard of Cooper Union uh, in New York City and I knew it was a free school. And so I applied there, but I was rejected because I had no art training and I couldn't pass the test. However, uh, if you know anything about uh, New Jersey, New York area, there was something called the PATH train that went from Journal Square in Jersey City all the way up to 33rd Street in Manhattan. And Cooper Union was on 8th Street, which was one of the stops, 6th Street, I think. And uh, when I got rejected from Cooper Union, I found a phone book outside of Cooper Union and saw that in the next two stops on 23rd Street, there was something called the Art Career School. I, knew, I didn't know very much about New York. I knew how to use the PATH train. And so I knew that, uh, how to get to 23rd Street. This was a school, a small school, that was situated on the penthouse of the Flatiron Building. Oh. It was a school, however, I didn't know this, that was desperate for students because the <laughs> GI Bill had run out. I see. And so when I went there and my father could afford the $300 it would cost for a year, they accepted me. And um, I was very lucky because the school wasn't very good, actually. It was a three-year ordinary art school. They 
drawing and graphics and making comps and stuff like that. But there were three students who had gotten dumped in that school. They were scholarship students. They won scholarships in New York City, but they got dumped there instead of a better school. And they became my teachers. They were so good that they taught me how to work. And um, I had only, always been interested in publications. So while they all went into advertising, I was interested in magazines. But um, the Art Career School uh, taught me what I didn't know, taught me how to um, work because of those three kids, and um, introduced me to another school that was down the street called the School of Visual Arts down on 23rd Street, which I then went to at night to uh, take some classes. I remember that school well because I took a class there from with Blackman and Slackman about- That's Carpenter. right. Uh, Captain Crosshatch and Squiggly Man. <laughs> so, um, and did you meet Milton there? Uh, yes. I, um, you know, I loved magazines when I was a kid and also through school. My favorite magazine was Esquire at the time. And the art director was Henry Wolfe. And I knew he was the art director because when he did a cover, he signed it right on the cover. So I thought that would be great to be the art director of a magazine. And, and um, I learned that Henry was going to teach at the School of Visual Arts. In fact, he did teach there and he taught at night. When I went to um, apply, it turned out that that year, he was doing a class with Milton. They were co-teaching a class, which I applied for and got into. And that's how I met Milton and, and Henry. I had always aspired to work with Henry, but as luck would have it, I ended up working with Milton. Every year you do the covers for uh, Dan's papers for the artist writers game. Right. How long has that been going on? 98 was the first one. So that's been oh, oh, 20 years, 22 years of covers. I think you could, so. You could make a, uh, a book out of that, practically. <laughs> well, some were better than others, as you know, Dan. And the pay was high. It was, yes, it was <laughs> worth every penny. <laughs> and uh, uh, you also designed the logo for the, uh, the cross pen and... and uh, oh, that's the artist writer's game, yeah. Art, right. And uh, what well, did we do the shirts and the hats as well? All of it. Yep. What brought you out to the Hamptons? Well, um, I think I was invited here by a boss of mine at, at one of my first jobs, Ingenue Magazine, and uh, when I was about twenty years old, uh, in um, I guess in the early sixties. And uh, her name was Eileen Hunt. She had a house in Amagansett, invited uh, Bina, my wife, and I to for a weekend. And we loved it out here. And um, when we got married, we started to look around here, and we loved Bridgehampton. It was this one town that was still a farming town. As you know, it had five gas stations in the, on the main street. Do you count the one toward... Sanatory Watermelon. <laughs> yeah. And, and we loved it. And we found a house next to the railroad on Butter Lane 
that was um, needed $5,000 for a uh, down payment, which we were able to put together and borrow. And, and we bought it in 1968. Did, uh, did you move here permanently and have your no. studio out here? You kept, a, you kept an apartment in Manhattan there too. We, yeah, and I, I worked at New York Magazine and Time and all those places. And those days, yeah. even before computers, you could not do work remotely. By the way, and I, I th I'll bet you you remember this, but on Butter Lane, one year, must have been 25 years ago, there is that underpass with the railroad. There's still an underpass, yeah. And on the south side of that underpass, someone had erected a yellow street sign that said, underpants. There <laughs> are underpants on it. What do you remember that? I took a picture of it. I don't remember it. I do remember that when we were uh, when we had our child, the um, the potato trucks would come under the underpass, and as they came up to the rise, they'd always drop potatoes, which we would get. Um, and also, that place to this day still floods when it rains. Yes, it does. Um, Getting back to uh, all of the work you've done, you mentioned you've done you've done magazine redos all around the world. What are some of the others you've done? Well, uh, Fortune magazine, uh, The Atlantic, uh, in the, in the U.S. We did a lot of newspapers too, and I did a magazine in Tokyo, and um, we did magazines uh, uh, in France and Paris, uh, L'Espresso and Lear. And in Italy, uh, um, another espresso. Um, we did the newspapers in Barcelona, La Vanguardia, O Globo in uh, Rio de Janeiro. Um, I think I've done, Milton and I and myself uh, independently have probably done, I think we counted over 100 magazines and newspapers. Wow. That's a lot of work. And they're but all I like working out here. I, I mean, now that I'm practically retired, I, I do a few other things. We, we, I did the Hampton Dock Fest uh, logo. And as you know, the uh, East End Children's Fund. And well, all of the, all of the um, or much of this is in this book that you and Milton put together. Which- well, uh, Magman is a book about 50 years of magazine making. Yes. If, uh, it's not about uh, magnets or. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's mag is for magazines. <laughs> and it's a wonderful title because it reminds you of. Uh, a mag Mad Men. Mad Men. Yes. What do you like to do in the Hamptons when you're when you're, when you're out here? What are some of your favorite things? Uh, aside from uh, playing tennis as much as I can now to get exercise. As a matter of fact, I'm playing tennis today at 12. Obviously, I like the restaurants, but I what what's great is that we now live in a house that I built a, a studio over a garage and uh, I can not only do some work there, but I can paint there. And um, I spend a lot of I try to spend a lot of time doing that. Aside from dance covers. <laughs> what else in, in the different villages? Do you go to the beach much or? Yeah, we, we get our beach permits and, uh, you know, we have our grandkids out here. They use the beach a lot more than I do, but but we do. And uh, 
um, I, I obviously go to Bay Street once in a while and the new SAG Cinema. Um, I do like, uh, I haven't been in a long time to the East Hampton Cinema. I miss that. I, I used to love going to East Hampton, but I haven't been there as much this uh, since the since COVID. Yeah, they've had to um, readjust the pond, as you know, and the swans have not come back yet. Oh, they're the uh, ultimate critics. <laughs> and uh, they just don't like it, I guess. Oh, was it, uh, is it the water or the redesign of the shape of the pond? They did not design the, re the shape, redesign the shape. What they did was they decided to clean it all out because there was red tide getting into it. Oh, I and, see. And in doing so, uh, they replaced some of the uh, side walls of it. It's actually a, it's actually a fake pond. It was originally. Of yeah. yeah. And um, the um, the wood the wood panels that were along the underwater along the sides you wouldn't see, were uh, basically made of. Uh, the kind of wood that you'd use in ships, uh, wood chips. They swell and they don't leak. And they decided to replace them underwater with uh, the uh, new kind of wood, the uh, long lasting wood. <laughs> and it leaks. Oh so my God. It leaks into the, so they've had to put in a pump, you can't see it. And it, the pump works and works and works, and then it broke down, and then they had to get another pump. Uh, it's too bad. Sometimes the uh, the pond is low, and sometimes yeah. it's uh, up high. But when they cleaned it out, they uh, they took all the water out of the pond, and you could see the whole underground underwater shape of it, and it was like that for about six months. Wow. So maybe the uh, creatures don't haven't now seen the actual pond. They're saying that's not for us. Yeah, they must be considering it carefully. Well, I, I'm going to, I, I, I do love East Hampton as well. I mean, Bridgehampton is my favorite area, but uh, uh, I look forward to, well, not only do we go to the artist writers game there, but this year I'll be at author's night because they're, you know, the charity in which the library um, benefits from book sales. Well, it's great. I'll come see you. <laughs> You don't have to buy a book. <laughs> I already have a book. I know. <laughs> well, it's full of uh, before and afters uh, and with redesigns of what are uh, what made this uh, the, the media, the physical media great, I think, was largely as a result of the work you did. Well, you know, working with Milton was important. Uh, he's probably the greatest graphic designer of the 20th century, partially the 21st, but regrettably he died at, on his birthday at 90 years old in uh, 2020. Um, but he was a great teacher. He was my teacher in any case uh, for most of my life and a great friend. But to have worked with somebody who was so quick and so fast and so creative and a brilliant artist at the same time was just uh, an amazing journey. And, and the nine years I spent with him at New York Magazine was my training for time. And then we 
After five years of separation, we formed another company called WBMG and worked for another 25 years together, which yep. you will see in that book. He loved, uh, he loved to uh, travel and, and he was known throughout the world. So we got some jobs like um, the great Jimmy Goldsmith hired us to do a new magazine he bought in France. And he loved Milton so much that uh, he named his racehorse, my friend Milton. <laughs> well, I'll leave you with that. So okay, thank you Dan. very much. I'm, You're welcome. I'm, thank welcome you. Walter Bernard, well, one of the uh, great uh, graphic designers in America and a uh, good, good friend. And uh, I'll see you at the Artist Writers Game, if not before. Good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.